Amen. More of him, less of us. That's the name of the game as a Christian. We follow Jesus. We don't just follow our own emotions or our own desires. We look to Jesus as our model. We look to him for inspiration. We look to him for a lot more than that. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. Every part of our life can align to him. One thing I've come to believe as a Christian is that there really are no limits to what God can do in us and through us. There are barriers in our way, certainly. A lot of those are erected by our own selves, our own egos, our own traditions, our own bad habits, but there's no limit to what God can do. So here in this month of January, we're going to talk about the aspects of our faith and our growth as Christians and as a church family that are limitless, that we would never put a cap on and say we're done. We would never say, check mark, we accomplished that, now we move on. No, these things have no limit and they can always grow. And the first and most important one of those is love. As we think about what it is that defines us as a Christian believer or what it is that defines us as a church family, we'd say, Lord, first and foremost, we want to be known for our love. That's what Jesus told us would differentiate us from the world system out there. Uh, You will know that, or they will know that you are my disciples in the fact that you love one another. Jesus looked at his disciples and said that. I believe he still looks at us to say that. So what, what, it means, what it means to have a limitless love practically is one thing we want to explore this morning. And I'd invite you to turn in the Bible to John chapter 15, and we'll read where the source, the power for that limitless love is going to come from. And my prayer is that this series, of which this is the first of four parts, will help define our future as individuals first and as a church together second that you would be able to think about your life and say, Lord, I realize there's always a next step. There is no limit to how your love is going to flow through me toward other people. There's no limit to my obedience to your command to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. And as a church, there's no limit to the number of people we could love or the ways in which we could care for them or the ways in which we could extend God's love from this place out to the whole world. And you say, well, Dan, that sounds wonderful, but where would, where would we get the energy and vision for that? Like, how would we have the power to do that? Sometimes I barely feel like I can make it through my own day, let alone limitlessly loving other people. Well, the answer we find in John 15. Jesus was speaking to his disciples right before his crucifixion. They didn't know that, but he did. So he was giving them some final and maybe arguably some most important instructions as they would go forward from this point on their journey. He said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Now, those of you who are in the fruit business out there, whether it's grapes or apples or peaches or something else, why in the world would you ever cut one of your plants? Isn't that cruel? Doesn't that hurt the plant somehow? Anybody that's a farmer would say, well, no, the the reason we prune, the reason we lop off a branch or two, or sometimes you drive by an orchard and you feel like, did they just kill that whole thing? It seems like they took off more than was there to begin with. 
uh, the reason they're doing that is that that pruning, that process, is actually what causes more fruit to be born in the future. So Jesus says to us, I'm the vine, you're the branches, my father's the gardener, and my father is out there pruning to help all of us become more fruitful. Verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by my message that I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So where will our fruit come from? Jesus. The power of Jesus flowing through our life. It won't come from you like making a New Year's list and saying, all right, going to be more fruitful, going to push out a few more apples this year. That's not how this works. The fruit comes the more connected you are to the vine. The more vibrancy and life you get from that vine, the more the fruit can come on you, the branch. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain, or those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's an important word for any one of us who's trying to do our best in life and for we as a church that have lots of goals and aspirations for the future. Apart from him, what can we do? Nothing. Now on a human level, you say, well, we could have a lot of things going on, a lot of activities, but when it comes to spiritual fruit, the thing that lasts, the thing we're actually after, none of that is possible if Jesus is not at the center, if he's not our source if we're not remaining in him. So if somehow all of our plans become a big long list of tasks and expense items and, and you know, here, here's, the, here's this month, here's all the things we're going to go accomplish, if somehow that gets separated from our connection to Jesus, all of it will ultimately fall away. None of it will be truly fruitful. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away as a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now listen to where he goes with this. Think about fruit, being a disciple, bringing glory to God. I have loved you... Even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow, and this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. And I would argue that the single most important fruit in your life as a Christian is love. That as you love people the way Jesus has loved you, that actually is the fruit that's going to multiply and change the world through you. If you miss love, you miss everything else about what Christianity is. So, Jesus models it for us. Verse 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. 
This is my command, love each other. So Jesus says that everything is possible, right? You can ask for anything in my name. And he says, well, the Father wants to bless you with it. Here's the command that you have to remain in. Love each other. Love each other the way I have loved you. If love defines us, then there really are no limits to where God can take us. The kind of fruit we'll bear, the amount of fruit we'll bear. We never have to be done with this process. So maybe today's your first day as a Christian, and you're just starting, and you go, wow, a whole lifetime of fruitfulness is ahead of me. It could be that you, you fancy yourself as an older Christian. You say, well, I feel like most of what I've ever done for Christ is in the past. I would challenge you that as long as the gardener keeps you in the vineyard, your mission, your purpose is to bear fruit. And it could be in a different way than you expect. It could be in a different way than has happened in the past. But you can be just as fruitful or more fruitful than you've ever been if you'll start with the source, Jesus, and decide to become a conduit of his love. All right, so we just want to unpack that a little bit today. The primary fruit of a healthy connection to Jesus is love. Above all else, we want this to define our church and our personal lives. So if someone out there in the community was saying, hey, I heard there's a church you know, over in Berrien Center. Well, what's that church? And maybe before, you know, maybe they know our name. Maybe they say, oh, I think that's Berrien Center Bible Church. Oh, yeah, well, what's that church about? The best answer to that question would be, that is a place where people are loved. That is a place that the people there love me. The people there love their neighbor. If, if that love reputation is what we're known for, then we're truly following Jesus. That's how we're supposed to be known. So if instead we're known by what we stand against, or even what we stand for, let's say, you know, that's important, but that's not the primary fruit. That's not what we're actually after. What we want people to sense is that they are loved by us, and thus they are loved by God. Okay, our calling to love is limitless. Love is not a task we complete. It is an identity we enjoy. We embrace love as our way of life. And then here's where I know that if you're like me, you, the question that pops into mind is, you know, because this is all sort of sounds great, right? It sounds like, oh, this is really, I wish that was true. But then you look at your own actual life, the life that feels over busy or the life that feels overstressed or the fact that people around you aren't so loving or it's, this isn't all easy, what we're talking about. Here's the other side of this principle that has to do with when we remain in the vine, our capacity to love can always grow. There's never a moment when you reach the top, when the father as the gardener would say, you know what, that branch has borne its maximum fruit. Oh, there's no limiter on love as long as we draw it from the love of God instead of from our own emotions. I would say there's a limit on human love, and maybe some of you have reached that limit a time or two in your life where you feel like you give and give and give and you serve and you care and the person just doesn't reciprocate and eventually you're like, oh, I just, I don't feel it anymore. Well, that's human love. You can run out of emotional love. But if, if we're tapped into the vine, if the power for all this is coming from Jesus, then we're tapped into God who actually is love. God who, his primary definition is love. That's why ours should be love. Okay, so turn to John, or 1 John chapter 4. For this, 1 John is a letter written by the same John who wrote the gospel that we were just reading. But So if you go 
Toward the end of the New Testament, you'll find the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 1st John 4, he writes about God's love and about how God's love works through us and in us to define us. Let's look to chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So there it is again, the primary defining characteristic for you as a Christian is love. If you miss that, you've missed everything. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So you say, I haven't, my eyes haven't physically seen God. But when have you felt God? When are you seeing an approximation of what God is like? It's when you feel love. It's when you see love, when you experience love. That's, that's as close as you get to what God actually is, to knowing him. Verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes and we now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live, all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. What a joy all of that is. So is there a limit on love? Well, only if you reach the limit of God himself, and God is infinite, so we're in no danger of hitting any kind of cap on the number of people we can love or the way in which we can care. So it really comes down to a question of how will we love? How will we take the love of Jesus and multiply that to the world? The love and energy we receive from the vine as a branch now bearing fruit, where do we, where do we go with that love? So loving everyone begins with loving someone. It's easy to say that we should all love everybody, but now when you get a face in mind, especially someone that's, for whatever reason, not easy to love, now it gets a little bit more personal, right? Loving everyone begins with loving someone. So one question that I would ask you is, would you commit to loving one more the way that God has loved you? Not would you love your neighbor in concept or would you agree to love the world the way God does. You can agree to all that. That's great. But would you be willing to love one more person the way that Jesus has loved you? And if your heart's answer would say yes to that, then I would say that's the beginning of how the fruit of love can be born in your life. Think about the people you love now, the people you love most, your close family, closest friends, the people that are right there next to you that you care so much about. Think, wow, I love those people. I would do anything for those people. Would you be willing to add one more person to that group, to love one more? Now, if you do, I would venture to say that eventually God is going to knock on the door of your heart and offer you another one more to love. There's no limit 
But you don't just look at the limitless nature of it and say, yeah, sure, I guess I should be loving everybody. You, you look at the next person God has put in your path. And you love that person with the love of Jesus. So choosing to love one more, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, some encouragement for you if you take on that challenge. One is to know God will direct me. You know, if you have a heart to love and you want that fruit to be defining your life, God will direct you. He's the gardener after all. So you trust him and you say, Lord, I'm willing to love. I'm willing to serve others. I, I want to put other people first. I don't want to just live selfishly anymore. I want to live for you. So Lord, would you show me who I should be extending your kind of love to? And I guarantee you, if you pray about that, you'll start noticing people around you that could use a touch of God's love, a word of encouragement, a helping hand, a way, a, a way to serve them. The, the, the idea, you won't have a shortage of need out there and people that you could love. Once you have a heart to love, you start realizing not only is the opportunity endless, but the need out there is endless. So God will direct me. The other thing is God will provide for me. When Melissa and I uh, decided to put this into practice in our lives years ago through foster parenting, um, and I mean, there's di- everybody has different callings, so I would not recommend foster parenting to everyone, but uh, that was one pathway that we decided that how we would love one more. And, uh, and so when we did that, we had um, a small home, we had not a lot of money, we had not big enough vehicles, We did not have a whole lot of know-how. We thought we did. Um, I think we all think we know what we're doing until we do it, and then we realize, oh, I I should have gone to that training. Um, So we had all of that going on. And you know what was amazing is that as we kept opening up our hearts for one more, God kept providing space, food, time, energy, vehicles, housing. I mean, just... The, 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 we didn't get all that stuff first. That stuff came after we made the decision to love. That's, I think that's how God likes to provide, where he kind of asks us to step out in faith and say yes before all the questions are answered. When you say yes, then all of a sudden you realize, oh, okay, God's with me. He's providing for my needs as I keep extending uh, love. So one, one practical thing that happened that was so encouraging to us many years ago was we had signed up for foster care. We were starting to have placements in our home, and we were, uh, we were managing things with this very short van. Uh, in fact, it's like, it's the kind of minivan they don't even make anymore. I don't know why they made it to begin with. It was basically a minivan without a trunk. So it was really short. And uh, so we would drive around that. We'd pack everything in and you'd, you know, kind of hold bags on your lap as you drove around. And um, my grandma had seen us doing this and they had a nice brand new Honda Odyssey. Um, leather, every premium option, um, super cool. And whenever we would go out to dinner with them, you know, Melissa and I would just look with, you know, you're trying not to break the 10th commandment about coveting, but you're kind of looking around going, you know, if I just had this, everything would be better in our lives. Um, which, as a young guy, it, you know you've changed when you, like, wish for minivans. It's just not normal, but it, it does happen to you. So, so there we were, wishing for minivans, and one day my grandma and grandpa called and said, you know, we, we'd love to give you our Honda Odyssey. Uh, so when we valued it, it was like $25,000 value uh, at that time. It only had, you know, what, maybe 20,000 miles on it. Uh, it was beautiful. It was brand new. Wow, we literally ran that thing to the ground. 
Uh, we used that a lot. That hauled a lot of kids, and a lot of the Love One More vision was transported in that van. Um, I think that's just one of many, many stories I could tell you of how God provides when you extend. So, so you don't start and go, well, I, I don't feel like I could love anyone else. I don't even have time. You, you decide to start loving, and then God provides for you the things that you need or the time or energy that you need. Okay, the next one, God will grow my ability to handle more. So this is the other objection, right, to when you think about adding people to the list of those that you would love is you go, man, I'm already tapped out. Like, I already, I already have a lot going on, and there's already a bunch of stressful people in my life. And so adding another one doesn't sound like a good time to me. Um, so one thing I've noticed as, you know, I've, I'm still learning in life. There's a whole bunch of things I'm still trying to figure out. But one of the things that I've been forced to figure out how to do is manage a lot of kids at one time. And that would not have been a skill set I would have ever aspired to, um, and I would not have expected to be a major defining characteristic of my daily life. Uh, but as kids started multiplying in our household, we started to have to learn how to manage more, serve more meals, uh, deal with more discipline, change more diapers, sanitize more bottles, like just everything was more. And, uh, and so as we did that, one of the things we started noticing was that as you build up capacity to meet the need that's right in front of you, if any of those kids like go over to a friend's house, all of a sudden life feels super easy. Right? So even if I have eight kids left over at my house, we're looking around going, man, it seems so quiet here, so peaceful. Um, think, well, there's still eight kids floating around, around but just when it, because you, your capacity grows to meet what, you're use, what you need, and then all the, you realize that, that when a few of them leave and you're like, wow, life feels so easy now. So with, with just some of the complexities we've walked through and the challenges we've had, sometimes I'll look at, I don't know, like a challenge at work, and I'll think, work still seems like a day off to me compared to home. <laughs> so because there's, you know, we've just learned so much about how to, how to deal with complexity. So what I would encourage you with is that as you extend yourself, God will give you the ability to handle more than you can handle right now. So don't start with some sort of cap and say, well, I already feel tired, so I guess I'm done. No, trust God to give you more grace to meet the needs that he'll bring into your life. Um, I know that sounds sort of well, super spiritual or something, but it really is practically true. You just have to walk in faith. All right, here's the last one. God will enlarge my heart. Um, a friend of mine in India named Sam, um, Sam runs an organization that helps plant churches and villages in India, and he also serves a lot of kids. So the, the home that he lives in is almost seems almost like a mission compound, and there's a whole bunch of kids. When you go in, onto his property there in Tamil Nadu, India, you, there's a lot of kids there. And, uh, and so one day I asked Sam, uh, I said, how many of these kids... Because they were running up and they were using the Tamil word for father as they would like say hi to him. And I picked up on that and said, how many of these kids, like, like, are they meaning that respectfully or do they actually think you're their father? He said, oh yeah, a lot of them, I'm their father. So well, how, how many of them? He said, oh, there's probably more than a hundred here that I'm their father figure. But wow, so like work me through the math of how this all happened. Um, so there are just a couple of the kids that are biologically his kids. And then there are another few that they legally adopted into their family, so that's like their family unit. 
But then there's all these extended kids that live in a children's home that where the load is kind of shared by multiple adults. But there Sam is, still sort of the father figure of the whole thing. And I asked him, can you remember their names? He said, well, you know, I, I do miss a few sometimes, or, you know, you get a little confused. But um, I said, how did that, how, how do you even begin to, like, process that? And he said, when they had their first child, he remembers holding the baby. It was a little girl, and he said he, he felt like he couldn't imagine loving anyone more than this child. And he even said, I remember saying to my wife, I don't think we should have any more kids because I just love this one with all of my heart, nothing else. Uh, well, then they had another child, and he said, you know, it was so strange because that baby was born, and I realized somehow I'm loving both of these kids at 100%. I don't know how that works. Well, then they started adding more kids through adoption and through the children's home program they had, and he said, you know, what's amazing is I feel like every time there's more children, it's like God just grows your heart bigger to accommodate the, the, the new amount of love that you're going to have to give out. And I would say that's true not just with kids, but with any, any person you reach out to love. So there might be neighbors you don't know, or there might be a coworker you've never reached out to, or somebody at school that you've never sat next to at lunch, and you say, I already have friends. I already, I already know a few neighbors. I already put up with enough coworkers. I don't know if I want one more. Uh, but when you sit down next to that one, you get to know their story, you start caring for that person, uh, God will enlarge your heart with the love that you need to be Jesus to that person, just like you've call, been called to be Jesus to the people that are already there around you. Okay, so as a church, we want to extend God's limitless love everywhere. Of course we do, right? So that's global missions, that's local outreach, that's, that's in your life and in my life. Anywhere we can, we want love to be flowing from us to others. So for you, who could that one more be? So you start this new year, it's a great question to ask. Right? I don't think that you just say, well, I'll just do one in 2024, but hey, every, you, can start with, you can't start with everyone, you have to start with someone. So Lord, who is that next one more that you would call me to love? One more person to reach out to, one more person to care about, one person to extend your love to. Melissa and I were at a conference in North Carolina a few years back, and we were presenting a principle related to this, this idea of loving others. And, uh, and I offered that question, like, you know, will you love one more? And this lady came up to us after the service, and she said, I, I already know who my one more needs to be. Uh, it's my stepson. I said, okay. Um, so he already lives with me. But because he reminds me of the, some of the traumas that she'd experienced in her life, she said, I know I've been withholding like, love from that kid, and it's not even his fault. Um, and so the person I need to love with Jesus' love is actually already at my house. So maybe that's true for you. Or maybe it's someone that you haven't met yet, that because you'll open your eyes after today and say, all right, my mission out there is to love, and there's no limit to the number of people God might want to use or God might want to call me to love, uh, maybe those open eyes, you start seeing people you never saw before. Um, and there's opportunities to love everywhere. So let's pray. Let's commit this uh, first of our series of four to the Lord. And, um, and then I want you to pray with me, not just in agreement, but also this question of really asking the Holy Spirit who he would call you to love next. So Lord, that is our question today. We each have people in our lives that we would say that we already love. And of course, we could probably love them more somehow or share our love with them in 
additional ways. But in this moment, would you just put in our heart the name of the person or the type of person or the place we'll find the person that we're supposed to love next? We don't want to miss what you would do through us. You, the master gardener, you, the vine that's filling us with life and energy. Lord, we're just branches on you wanting to bear fruit that represents your kind of life, your kind of love. And if the primary way that we'll bear that fruit is by our love for each other and for our neighbors, for the people you bring into our lives, I pray that this year we would have a bountiful harvest of that love. Lord, if we're facing barriers to loving others, help us to walk past those, to jump over those, to figure out how to sweep those away. We recognize there's no limit to the way that you would want to use us. There's no capacity limit. There's no time limit. There's no resource limit. Because you are the source. With that in mind, Lord, we want to go today ready to love the people that you'll call us to love. Thank you for your love toward us. All the love and grace you pour into our lives is so undeserved, so unexpected, so limitless. Lord, we just want to tap into a little bit of that and share it with someone else. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. God bless you as you go. We'll see you next week.